connect on the app uh, where we stay connected with you. You can stay connected with us, but also we don't hand out message notes here anymore uh, due to COVID. We stopped doing that a couple of years ago. So we started putting all the message notes on the app. So if you pull up the app, you'll see in the middle where it says read more. If you click on that, that pulls up today's message. And so you can just type your notes right in there. It's super easy. Also, a couple of years ago, we adopted a texting number. A lot of churches did this a couple of years ago uh, to stay connected to their, uh, to their faith family. And so we did that as well. Our number is 30500. And there's several keywords that you can text to that number uh, to stay connected with what's happening around here um, in Patterson. So one of those is P-Update. So the word P-update doesn't matter if it's lowercase or uppercase. Um, it did matter, but we went to a different texting system, so now that doesn't matter. So if you text the word P-update to that number, you will stay connected with any time we need to make an announcement uh, to our campus. We will uh, make that announcement through there, through that texting service. And if you've ever texted P-update to that number, 30500, you will get that text message uh, with uh, some announcements that we have uh, that's coming up, okay? And then also prayers, P-R-A-Y-E-R-S. If you have any needs uh, that you would love for uh, myself or Pastor Tito or Miss Anna uh, to be praying uh, with you uh, regarding those needs, as soon as you fill out that, that prayer need form, we get that, okay? So we just know that we, if you do that, we are praying with you, whatever that need may be, okay? So that's what you have to do, just text prayers to that number. And then also, this is a brand new one. We just did this this past week, okay? If you wanna join one of our volunteer teams, and it, by the way, it's so great uh, to see we had, what, four or five new volunteers this weekend? Six, six new volunteers, six new faces uh, this morning. So thank you, yes. Thank you, those of you who are... Uh, jumped into one of our volunteer teams. Thank you so much because we are a volunteer-driven church. So we try to make it as easy as possible to join one of our teams. And now all you have to do is text the word TEAM, T-E-A-M, to that number 30500. You will get sent a volunteer form. You just fill that out. Everything digital, it goes to us and we will get you connected. So thank you, those of you who are doing that because that's the easiest way. So if you have your phones, you can do either one of those right now, P, P update, prayers, or TEAM to join one of our volunteer teams uh, because we are always looking for more and more volunteers. In fact, these are some of the uh, teams that we're going to be uh, adding not only through, uh, do we have that slide, Miss Miss Jessica? Not only for uh, Easter, but also beyond. Um, uh, Jackson, going to get it there for real quick. Okay, no problem. So uh, we're looking to, to add uh, new volunteers uh, for the following teams for Easter and beyond, okay? So it's not just for Easter, but also uh, continuing uh, to serve on these teams uh, throughout. So we need volunteers for our kids. Miss Anna's in here. Miss Anna, raise your hand. So Miss Anna, stand up so everybody can see you. Uh, Miss Anna is our kids director. Thank you, Miss Anna. Every week, she and her volunteers are leading our kids uh, one step closer to Jesus. So kids, musicians, uh, outreach, which is anything beyond what we do here on a Sunday morning uh, in, through our four walls, uh, production team, a tech team, which is what Miss Jessica and Jackson are doing back there, safety outside to make sure we stay safe, students through the week with Pastor Tito. Uh, by the way, our student ministry is, is growing. We, we had almost 25 students this weekend uh, here. So our, our student ministries is continuing to grow. If you have a student from seventh grade to 12th grade, make sure you go see Pastor Tito. Our welcome team, which is our ushers and greeters and coffee. And what else? 
Usher's Greeter Coffee, that's in starting point, so all those things, and then worship. So we have several teams that we would love for you uh, to be involved in. All you have to do is just text that word team to 30500, and we will connect you to a team. One of my favorite uh, uh, stories, uh, super embarrassing for me, but back in, when we were in Wisconsin and we first started our campus back there, we highly underestimated what God was going to do uh, in our campus. And so we did not mobilize enough volunteers. So I remember probably four or five weeks in, I was standing at the door greeting just like I do here. People were coming in and I needed to leave because it was time for me to go and speak. And so we'd still have people coming in and I grabbed this family, this couple, they had kids with them. I said, hey, do me a favor. Can you stand right here? Go check your kids in and then come stand at these doors and just greet people as they come in. Just say, good morning. Hello. How are you? Welcome to Great Lakes Church. And they said, yeah, no problem. We can do that. So then after service, I found this couple. I thought I need to go find this couple and thank them for jumping in and serving. So I found them. I ran up to them in the parking lot and I said, hey, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for standing at the door and and greeting people. And they said, yeah, it was our first time here, but we thought we'll stand here and shake hands and tell people good morning. I was so embarrassed. But you know what? Not only did they stay and become part of the greeting team, they end up leading the greeting team. And 10 years later, they're still on that greeting team today. So uh, there's something about just joining the family, right? So uh, that's the best. That's a great way, you know, to stay in community, to stay connected because we all serve one another. So make sure you do that. Also, uh, those of you that may be uh, new here this, uh, this morning, we have a gift for you. So before you leave, as you go out to, to these uh, through these double doors, you'll see a table there on your left. That's called our starting point table. And so we have some brand new coffee mugs, new life coffee mugs that we want to give you. There's also some travel mugs. So take your take your pick of which one that you want. Uh, and we just wanted, that's just a little gift to us to say thank you for visiting with us and being our guest here at New Life. And if you're here for the first time and you do not have a home church, then we want to say to you, welcome home. Right. Thank you for being here. Uh, Now, this is the last weekend we're going to be talking about this. The Intercept Summit is coming up this coming Sunday at the Turlock campus. Okay. The reason why this is the last weekend is because it is this coming Saturday on the 12th. And so if you, uh, if you don't know a whole lot about the Intercept Summit, it is uh, about human trafficking, uh, which is really bad in our area. So this is an awareness. It's a, it's a morning and afternoon uh, bringing awareness. We have special speakers. Uh, our sheriff is going to be there to kind of let everybody know just how big this problem is in our area. And so it's totally free. Uh, lunch, uh, there'll be some lunch trucks there, but we just, if you could do us a favor, if you want to go to the Intercept Summit, that's, like I said, is this coming Saturday on the 12th from 8.30 to 2.30, uh, make sure that you go to our website. You can register. Um, you don't have to register to show up, but it really will help us uh, to figure out how many are actually coming right now. We have a couple of hundred people who are registering, but we know hundreds of more people are going to be there, okay? So uh, if you could do that, we'd really appreciate that. Also, um, if you came prepared to give today, we want to say thank you so much uh, in doing that. Thank you for being uh, generous with your resources. We couldn't do what we do every single week uh, without your generosity. There's four different ways you can give. And uh, the most popular way that most people give here is through the app. You can just give simply through the app. So, uh, But if you came prepared to give physically, you can do that. We have giving stations located at our exits before you go. But we want to say thank you so much uh, for your generosity. And then also, lastly, uh, we have uh, a newcomer's uh, connect. So our newcomer Connect is right after this service. So if you've been a part of our church, of this campus for six months or less, 
This is for you. Lunch is going to be provided. It's going to be in the multi-purpose room. We're going to hang out here just a little while to give them time, uh, to give Miss Anna time to, uh, to uh, check out all of our kids who are checked into our kids' ministry. But if you have been a, a part of the New Life Patterson campus for six months or less, which basically goes back to October when we started in this building. But So if you are new, this luncheon is for you. We would love to get to know you. It's only for 45 minutes. I promise we're not trying to sell you anything. We're not trying to, all we want to do is just get to know you and for you to get to know us a little better. I'll be there with, along with Janet and then uh, Pastor Tito, Miss Anna, and uh, her better half is here today. So, uh, <laughs> Mr. Brandt. So anyway, uh, this is just a way for us to get to know you, okay? So make sure uh, that you stay for that. And so we're going to hang out here just a little bit, and then we'll go over to the multi-purpose room. And then uh, Pastor Tito wanted me to talk about uh, Youth Painting Night is coming up. So if you have a student, uh, it's going to be on Tuesday, March the 22nd, right here. And so you guys aren't going to paint each other, are they? Oh, going to paint me? Okay, you can do that too. So the youth is going to have a painting night on March the 22nd. And it's really, it's really uh, important that we start making these kinds of announcements because our youth group is growing. So just to, to tell our students on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night, uh, we need a little bit more than that, right, Tito? So um, yeah, that's going to be good. So it's $15. And for, so the last time you guys did this, you had a really good turnout, didn't you, for paint night? So anyway, just want to make sure that you guys see that. But listen, uh, Instagram, Facebook, make sure you guys stay on top of that and follow our pages because we're constantly putting pictures on there. I know that we had some baptism pictures uh, on our social media page, pages from last week. It was super, super uh, special. So those of you who are at our baptism service last, last week, um, man, I don't know about you, but I, I thought that was pretty awesome. And so uh, we're going to do our next one probably uh, in August, or the last of August or the first of September. So, hey, bud, that's my son, Seth. Hey, Seth. <laughs> Were you late again today? Uh, I was there. But I was okay, you're late. <laughs> Matthew chapter 4. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 4. I have four kids, by the way. That's my, that's my third one. So usually if you have more, if you have, a, if you have three kids, your middle gets forgotten. If you have four, your third gets forgotten. Anybody in here have four kids? All right, yeah. Oh, my Lord, you guys are reproducing family around here. Man, I love it. All right. Matthew chapter four. We are beginning a brand new series this weekend called Jesus Went. Jesus Went. Because Jesus, if you think about it, if you read scripture, if you grew up in church, you know that Jesus went to a lot of different places. All right. He went to places of solitude, places of fun. He went to weddings and funerals. He went to parties and he went to dinners. He went fishing. He went on long walks with his friends. He also went to places that no one else wanted to go. He went and visited people that no one else wanted to see, that no one wanted to touch, that no one wanted to spend time with. He went to the outcast, but he also went to the elite. He went to the grand temple, but also to humble homes. So over the next several weeks, all the way, take, taking us all the way through Easter, we're gonna see that Jesus wants to go with you to some of the most joyous times of your life, but also some of the most challenging places of your life as well. So today we're gonna to begin this series by seeing how Jesus went to the desert and why he went there. Now there are several words in scripture that are kind of interchanged with the word desert, including wilderness, desolate, uh, lonely, isolated places, but they're all talking about the same type of place. And we know that the desert is a place where there's 
Not a whole lot of shelter. Uh, it's forbidding. There's desolation in the desert. You're away from all your personal comforts. It's a place where you are most vulnerable. Storms in the desert might last for hours or they could last for several days. We know that the desert can be very intensely hot. Why people choose to drive through Death Valley in the summer still amazes me, but we still make those decisions. As a matter of fact, in 1913, Death Valley set a record temperature of 134 degrees Fahrenheit. That's just a little under what I put my smoker at home. And people drive through that, those temperatures. And those are just physical deserts. All right, what about mental deserts? What about those emotional deserts? What about those relational deserts that we go through? What about those spiritual deserts that we're all aware, to, uh, all aware of? If, we're, if we've been self-aware at all, we know exactly what those desert seasons feel like as well. The desert can be a place where spiritual and emotional nourishment can feel scarce. When it seems that your friends and family have abandoned you or they're not, they won't have anything to do with you, they're not talking to you, you have no idea what you've done, you, don't, you have no idea what changed. When you can't explain it or put it into words, but mentally you go through those times of the, the mental desert and you're just absolutely drained, you're exhausted, you're at the end of your rope emotionally and you... You just have nothing else to give. We've been there, right? You're empty. Spiritual deserts when we don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray for. When, the, when it seems like we have no empathy and no tolerance for people. And you're asking yourself, man, what is wrong with me? Why am I so short-fused lately? Why, do, why, why am I letting everything in my life just get to me? Those are all deserts. The desert is also a place where our enemy, Satan, runs wild and our temptations can hit us like they've never hit before. Those places of barrenness where we're confronted with all those false things on the inside of us. The desert has a way of uh, stripping away the things that we built up, the things that we've hidden behind, the, those masks and those insecurities and those identities that we have allowed to shelter us over the years. The desert has a way of getting rid of those too. So the desert can also be a way and also could be a place where we see most clearly as the distractions of our life get stripped away. The desert has a, has a way of sort of sandblasting or scrubbing our spirits, a sort of spiritual exfoliation, if you will, of what God's trying to do on the inside of us. In fact, we see in Scripture that God does some of his greatest work in us and in people in the desert. We see in the desert and the wilderness featured prominently in so many people's lives in Scripture. The desert is where Abraham and Sarah were called to birth a nation. It's in the desert where Moses, after shepherding sheep for 40 years, hears God speak to him one-on-one, -on -one, face to face. And God himself said, through the prophets, I've, speaking through, I've spoken through visions and prophecies, but to Moses, my guy, I'm going to speak face to face. King David, if you grew up in church, you heard the story of David and Goliath. King David has his leadership and his character formed in the desert. And the nation of Israel, after Moses rescued them from Egypt, were on this 40-year journey through the desert as they were stripped away of all their fa false idols and, this, and their dependency on anything other than God as they were getting ready to enter the promised land. 
John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, the one who baptized Jesus, was a voice crying in the wilderness, preparing the way for Jesus. The Apostle Paul, he had a life-changing encounter with Jesus on a road in the wilderness. And then in his letter that he wrote to the people living in Galatia, he talked about God taking him to the desert so that he can start doing a deep work in his life. So it shouldn't surprise us then that Jesus, after he's baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist, and filled with God's spirit, is sent out where? To the desert. One of the things that we falsely assume is that when you and I are in our own desert experience in our lives, that we've done something wrong, that God's mad at us, that he's somehow punishing us. That's not always the case. God himself, God himself led some of the most significant leaders in biblical history out to the desert, and there are going to be times and there's going to be seasons where you and I need to go through our own desert experiences so that we can look at ourselves and face all the inner workings of what God is doing in our heart and in our soul, where, where all this, the false self and all the masks that we tend to wear get stripped away, and then we can really experience who God is. We can really experience his strength and his grace. So today we're going to go on a little journey with Jesus to the desert. We're going to look at the temptations that he faced and how Jesus wants to go with us in those challenging dry places in our lives. Because somehow we, we think that, that when we're born, Jesus sort of winds us up and says, okay, now just go on. I'm not interfering in your life. Have fun with that. It's going to be tough. It's going to be challenging. And I'm going to stay over here, but that's not the case at all. God is right beside us in all of those challenging times in our life. Look what we read in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. This high priest of ours, Jesus, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. You see, Jesus overcame temptation so that you and I can overcome temptation. He went to the desert and he goes with us to our desert places. So because Jesus was tempted, here's your first fill-in for the weekend. I can, be, I can expect to be tempted as well. So because Jesus was tempted, I can expect to be tempted. tempted. If you're taking notes on, on, your, on your phone, you can just write those in. So let's start at the beginning of this desert experience with Jesus. In Matthew chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Led by the Spirit, tempted by the devil. Jesus was doing exactly what God wanted him to do, and still he faced temptation. Now, why would an all-powerful, all-loving father pull his one and only son into a place of isolation, a place of vulnerability to be tempted? Like I said, we have this tendency to think that when, when we face temptation, that, we must have, that God must have abandoned us that there must be something wrong with us. I mean, why else would we go, be going through the temptation? I mean, God, we must have done something wrong, right? That's why God's allowing this to happen to us, and that's just simply not true. Jesus was tempted, and we can expect to be tempted as well. But there's an important distinction that I want to make here. The Spirit is the one who led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted, but it wasn't God who did the tempting. God doesn't tempt you to sin. 
God will not try to entice you with evil opportunities. Look what the half-brother of Jesus said in the book of James, James 1.13. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. In our justice system, there's a law against that. It's called entrapment. Okay, uh, an undercover cop who's trying to arrest someone for illegal activity, he can't lure him into breaking the law because that would be considered entrapment. And some people think that that's how God tempts us, that he puts this cookie out on the table right under our nose and says, ooh, I dare you to eat it. And if it were oatmeal raisin, I would, I would fall every single time. God doesn't do that. Temptation is inevitable, but it does not come from God. God's purpose is not to tempt us, but instead to be with us during our temptation because he gives us power over that temptation. Think about the words that Jesus heard right before he took that first step out into the desert. He had just been baptized by John the Baptist, and it was a full stop moment. Think about our baptisms last week. Every time someone came up out of the water, you guys cheered, you guys celebrated, you guys just wanted to party with them and say, congratulations, we're happy for you. Think about Jesus coming up out of that water and then hearing this proclamation by God the Father himself when he said this, a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. God was pleased with Jesus, and he spoke these words of strength and approval and joy. And then, like it so often happens with us, when we experience our own peak experience, Jesus found himself alone in the desert. Or was he alone? After Jesus was declared by John the Baptist to be the Messiah, the next event in his life was a time of temptation in the desert. It wasn't his triumphal entry into Jerusalem where thousands of people gathered shouting Hosanna. It wasn't raising Lazarus from the dead. It wasn't feeding 5,000 people. Instead, it was 40 lonely nights in the desert. Peak experiences in our life are often followed by times of temptation. Peak experiences, times of struggle. Temptation also attacks us where we're most vulnerable. Not only when we're most vulnerable, but where we're most vulnerable. After Jesus had been in the desert 40 days and 40 nights without food, look what happened. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, why did Satan say this? Because he knew that Jesus was hungry. He knew that the idea of eating food was the most tempting thought he could put in Jesus' mind at that time. He wanted so badly for Jesus to abuse his power for his own needs, and so he attacked him where he was at that moment the most vulnerable. He tried to get Jesus to eat. Temptation doesn't hit you where you're strong. It hits you where you're vulnerable. If your career is thriving, but your marriage is struggling, guess what the enemy's coming for? If you're struggling at school or your finances or with an addiction, the temptation is going to be to cut corners or to live in secret or to stop trusting God. I remember back when I was 18 years old, 
I just, I just surrendered my life to Jesus and I was on fire for God. And I remember I went to youth camp. It was the last year that I could go as a camper because I was aging out. So I thought, I'm going to take advantage of this and I'm going to go to this Christian youth camp and just really plug in and get connected with God. And man, it was amazing. Monday through Friday, every single day was a different experience that I had with God and I was on fire, man. Nothing I thought was going to bring me down. And I remember coming back it was Friday, and I had to work that night. I was delivering pizzas for, for uh, an Italian restaurant. And I remember the owner was a really good friend of mine. His name was John. He was a really strong believer, and he was so excited for me to come back. And I remember walking in, and he said, Jeremy, how was your week at camp? And I said, John, it was awesome. I connected with God deeper than I've ever connected before. Nothing will bring me down right now. Famous last words. That night, I gave in to temptation. That night, after having this peak experience Monday through Friday, that night, I fell. Temptations attack us where we're vulnerable. Does that mean we just give up and quit? No. It means that I live in preparation and expectation that temptation hits where I'm vulnerable. So I train. Not just try, not just try harder, but I train. This is how we live in preparation for the challenges and temptations that's for sure going to come our way. Training prepares us for the race to come. Look at 1 Timothy 4, 7. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly, to be holy. How do you think Jesus prepared for his desert experience? He lived in union with his father and understood God's heart and desires and truth. He didn't try not to turn the stones into bread. He relied on his relationship with the Father and the training in God's truth. Look what he said to Satan. No, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus went to the desert, that place where he was most vulnerable, and he goes with us to our desert places as well. He says to us, walk with me, trust in me, Train with me. That takes us to number two. Write this down. Jesus takes me to the desert so I can see him. So that I can see him. Temptation is by its very nature deceptive. It often presents itself in a type of twisted logic. Matthew tells us that the, that the devil took Jesus to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple, and then he said this, if you are the son of God, jump. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You see, Satan was quoting a scripture that Jesus knew was absolutely true. But Satan was trying to get Jesus to apply it in a twisted, self-serving way. He was saying, come on, Jesus, jump. You're the son of God. If you jump, you're not gonna die you know that your father's gonna protect you or do you really not believe that? Do you really believe whether or not you're the son of God? You see, Satan knows exactly what buttons to push in us, doesn't he? Satan knows your buttons. Satan knows my buttons. He knows where we're most vulnerable. He loves for us to question our true identity in Jesus. He uses all the twisted logic that he can. He'll bring up your past. He'll bring up your fears. 
He'll bring up your worries and your anxieties. He'll bring up your relationships, your failed relationships. He'll bring up your temper, your desires, your addictions, and your insecurities. And he says twisted things like, you know God just wants you to be happy, right? The only way that you can be happy is if you do this. You see, Satan tempted Jesus to jump off the temple in order to prove to the world that he was, that he was really the Messiah. He tried to get him to do something wrong in order to accomplish something good, but Jesus understood temptation well enough to see right through Satan's twisted logic. Satan's business, listen, is not so much to scare you. Instead, it's to deceive you in believing that the danger of your sin is minimal. I want to say that again. The job of Satan is not necessarily to scare you, but so to deceive you into believing that your sin is minimal. Because we often think, ah, it's really not that bad. We start comparing ourselves to other people, don't we? Well, I'm not doing what they're doing. At least my sin is not as bad as their sin. And then we find out we've been lied to. Because Satan is a liar and the father of all lies because he tries to convince us with things like, well, I know I'm flirting with them, but at least I'm not acting on it. Or I'm just fudging a little bit on my taxes. I mean, the government robs from me anyway, so it's okay that I lie a little bit here and there. Or, you know, a little peek online isn't that bad. I'm not thinking of that person when I'm intimate with my spouse. Or, Jeremy, I mean, it's just a little gossip. Everybody in my street does it. Everybody in my family does it. Everybody in our friend groups, we talk about everybody, so it's not really that bad. If we could see what lies beneath the temptation, I think we would make better decisions. Look at the third temptation that Jesus faced in Matthew 4, 8, and 9. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you if you will kneel down and worship me. Listen, temptation always promises what it cannot deliver. There's something so devious about Satan's words because he was offering to give Jesus what Jesus already had from his father. That's often the way temptation works. It offers, it offers something that it really cannot give you, something that only God can give. Temptation says, do this and you'll be happy. Do this and you'll have peace. Do this and you'll feel good about yourself. But the enemy cannot give happiness because it isn't his to give. He can't give peace, real peace, because real peace only comes from God. He offers cheap substitutes for the real thing, that God is currently already inviting us into. What did Jesus do in this scenario? He did the same exact thing. He relied on his relationship and his training. Verse 10 says this. This is what he said to Satan. Get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And that takes us to our final fill-in for the weekend. Number three, Jesus is with us in our desert. He is with us in our desert. Through the times of struggle and temptation, there's also a refining that happens on the inside of us. There's this, there's this strengthening that happens on the inside of us. The question that we have to wrestle with is this, will I humble myself? Will I humble myself enough to trust Jesus or am I going to keep trying to do it on my own? I don't know about you, but I've tried it on my own. It doesn't work. When I try to face temptation just with me, man, I fall every single time. 
James 4, 7 and 8. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Who moves first? We do. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Resist the devil, but what does it say first? Humble yourselves before God. What would it look like in your life to abandon all your outcomes to Jesus? How different would your life look? What would it look like to prepare and train for the battles and the temptations that lie ahead? Because they're there. They're lying ahead, waiting to ensnare us, waiting as a trap, just waiting to get us. Jesus isn't saying, hey, just be stronger. Figure it out. You're on your own. Jeremy, quit failing, quit falling. That's not what he's saying. Instead, he's inviting us to lay down our false selves and the masks and the identities that we've constructed to somehow show that we've got it all together or that we're strong enough to get through this. The desert has a way of stripping those things away. The desert has a way of getting us to the point where we humble ourselves to where we say, I can't do this on my own, so I'm going to come to Jesus to walk with him. Look what Jesus says in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. I love this. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. I love that. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. We have this image of God being this old grandpa up there with a lightning bolt in his hand, just ready to strike us down at any time. That is not the image of the Father. He says, come to me. I'm like an oasis. You'll discover that I'm gentle and humble and easy to please. You'll find refreshment and rest in me. That doesn't sound like a mean old man to me. Jesus is your oasis. He wants to be life in your desert when you're tired and when you're tempted. When you're emotionally and physically and mentally drained and exhausted, Jesus wants us to take a breath, go out into the desert, take a breath, relax, resist the enemy, and embrace God's presence. So listen, these are the three temptations of Jesus that's recorded in Scripture, but we know they weren't the only ones. We know they weren't the only temptations that Jesus went through. Okay, theologians believe that in less than three days, when Jesus went experienced these three temptations, that in less than three days, that he experienced the strongest and most powerful temptations that cover every temptation that you and I will ever go through. Every temptation that you and I will ever go through were encapsulated in these three temptations. Yet Jesus did not buckle. He did not sin. And he didn't use his God powers to get through them. Instead, he remembered his identity. He remembered his purpose. He remembered his relationship with the Father. And he remembered his training. And that's exactly how you and I overcome our own deserts, our own temptations. 
I realize that even while I'm speaking right now this morning, that maybe even half of this room are currently in your own desert. Relational desert, emotional desert, a mental desert, maybe even a spiritual desert. You say, Jeremy, I'm just, I have no idea what's going on in my life. I've been there. Janet can tell you there's been months. I've gone months and just say, I don't even know. I'm a pastor of a church. I don't even know how to pray right now. I don't know what to pray for. I don't know what's going on in me, but I know God's doing some surgery, surgery right now. And what I've realized is those are the times I'm out in this desert and God's trying to strip away all these things that I've built up to protect myself. Because I do know that God sometimes brings us out there. He brought his own son out into the desert. So why would he not bring me? Why would he not bring you? And so sometimes he can strip away and sandblast some of those things that might be holding you back from having a real, good, strong, genuine relationship with him. We all have those things. If you're in a desert, then like Jesus, do some things. Here's your homework. Remember who you are. You are a child of the Most High God. You are a daughter or a son of the King of Kings. Remember your identity. Remember your purpose. Every single person in this room was created for a reason. You have a purpose. And God wants to use you for his kingdom. I don't know what your purpose is, but we all have a purpose. Remember your relationship with your father and remember your training. You think, Jeremy, what does that mean? How do I train? This is how you train. Stay close to God. Continue to have conversations with him in prayer, and there is no formula to this. If you think there's a formula to prayer, there is not. Talking to God is just what I'm doing right here, talking to God. Tell God how you're feeling. If you're happy, tell God you're happy. If you're sad, tell God you're sad. If you're mad at God, let him know. Guess what? He knows you are anyway. You're not hiding anything from him. It's okay to have a real, raw conversation with God. It doesn't have to be a a King James prayer with a lot of yees and yeas and thous and these. That's not how God talks. Talk to God and then listen to him talk to you. And that's the last way through scripture. I don't care if you read one verse a day. That's how God speaks to us. It's through his word. People say, I just... I don't ever have conversations with God. I feel like it's always one way. Always, the first thing I ask them, are you reading your Bible? Because that's God's telephone to us. That's how he speaks to us. Stay grounded in scripture. Go ahead and take your communion elements. Peel that first layer off to your wafer. This is the first Sunday of the month. And here at New Life, we always take communion the first Sunday of the month. If you did not get, um, if you did not get a communion element, just lift your hand up real quick. Miss Julie has them. Lift your hand up high so you didn't get one. Thank you, Julie. Keep your hand up so Miss Julie can find you. We'll wait just a minute. Couple up here, Miss Julie. Thank you. So here at New Life, we always say that we don't believe anything mysterious happens when we take in the, the wafer of the juice. We believe it's symbolic of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. 
I'm really excited about next week's message too. Next week's message is Jesus went to a wedding and we're gonna break down the symbolism of Jesus performing the very first miracle at a wedding, turning water into wine and why he did that and why this is so important for us to understand. So today we're gonna take communion. Like I said, it's the first Sunday of the month and we always do this. This wafer represents the body of Christ that was broken for our sin 2,000 years ago. Jesus voluntarily said, I'll do it. When no animal was good enough, for thousands of years, people brought in all their sacrifices. And finally, the father said, nope, this is not good enough. I'm going to send one final sacrifice, the sinless, spotless blood of my son. And that's what's going to cover our sin. Will allow his body to be broken and his blood to be spilled out for all of our sins. So let's thank Jesus for that. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we get to take this wafer that symbolizes the broken body of you, our Savior, broken for our sin. We accept that as payment this morning. Thank you for allowing your body to be broken. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat. In the same manner, Jesus passed around the Last Supper. He passed around his cup of wine to everyone in the room. He said, this is going to represent my blood that's spilling out as a final once and for all sacrifice for all sin, past, present, and future. So we no longer have to bring our sacrifices into the priest. We just say we accept what Jesus did. We accept that the blood that he shed on Calvary, the blood that he shed on the cross covers my sin now and forever. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for allowing your blood to, to, be, to be poured out for me, Lord Jesus, for all of us, Lord, once and for all. Your sinless, spotless blood covers my sin forever. Thank you for your sacrifice. Amen. Let's drink. One last prayer. Father, thank you for bringing our faith family together this morning. Thank you for allowing us to jump into this new series about all the places that you went. And every time you went somewhere, something happened. Someone changed. And because of your journey, we get to take the same journey. Thank you that in the middle of our deserts, in the middle of our temptations, Lord, you know exactly what we're going through. And Lord, we can keep our eyes on you and make our way through it. Thank you for all the learnings. Thank you for stripping away all the things that we tend to cover ourselves up with instead of leaning to you. Father, we know that as we grow closer to you, we're also growing closer to each other. We love you, Lord. We surrender to the King of kings and the Lord of lords this morning. Search us, Lord. Strip us down. Take us through those desert experiences so that we can come out on the other side stronger, closer to you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for being here this morning. Don't forget all the announcements that we made uh, at the beginning of the service. If you're here for the Newcomers Connect, make sure you just kind of hang loose in about uh, 10 or 15 minutes, we'll make our way over into the multi-purpose room. Those of you that want to connect with us, we'd love to connect with you as well. Also, if you came prepared to give, you can give those uh, in the giving stations before you leave out the exits. If you came, if you're here for the first time, 
uh, then uh, don't forget to get one of the uh, the new coffee mugs we have for you sitting out in the lobby. And hey, this is great. We love seeing you guys every week. Have a wonderful week. We will see you, see you next Sunday. Jesus went to a wedding. It's going to be a lot of fun.